Well, last week, Pastor Brenda had a great word for us last Sunday night. And she talked about how big is your want to. And remember that little bumblebee that she talked about? John Olstein's story about the bumblebee who got swatted and he got swatted down into the sand and he was so down deep down into the sand and then he was crushed into the sand that looked like he was a goner but there was something about that little bumblebee she told us about that he had a determination about him he had a perseverance about him he wasn't gonna stay buried He wasn't going to stay down. He wasn't going to remain in the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping. No, he knew that scripture. When I fall, I shall arise. And he began to work at it. And he began to work at it. And he began to work at it. And he didn't quit. Everybody say it. I'm not a quitter. I shall not be defeated. And I will not quit. And he didn't quit. And he worked and he worked and he worked. And he came up out of that sand. And he had sand all over his little wings. But he didn't stop there. He just kept working at it. He kept working at it. He kept shaking it off. Amen, church? He kept shaking it off. Shaking off what had come against him. And he rose up. And the next thing he knew, he took flight. Bye-bye. He took off. He flew away. Amen? Amen. And so I was thinking so much about how he had such a great desire. And so we're going to talk tonight about desire. And so let's start by defining what the word desire means. It means to want, to crave, to yearn, to thirst, to hunger. It means to ache. It means to burn. It means to be eager. And I thought this next one was very interesting. It means to itch. Now, you know, a lot of people burn with desire and they just have an itch. And they try to scratch that itch. And they try to use so many different things to scratch the itch. I mean, they can try to use relationships. They can try to use, oh, uh, money, fame, fortune, you know, their work. But nothing scratches that itch because that itch was put in there by God. And only God himself can scratch the itch. Amen? Amen. It also means to be desperate for, to covet, to long for. It also means enthusiasm. So when someone has desire, they're enthusiastic about that desire. It also means determination, just like that little bumblebee. So tonight we're going to ask two questions. Where does your desire come from? And how does your desire grow? Desires are like seeds, you know, and they grow up. And they grow up depending upon when and what you feed them. And so, you know, I was thinking about seed time and harvest. And the Bible speaks much about seed time and harvest. And, you know, actually the Bible is a legal document. How many of you know that the Bible is a legal document? And we see over and over again where it says, this book of the law. You see? That's a legal term. The law of seed time and harvest applies to every area of our life, and it applies to the area of desire as well. Everything in life grows from a seed. So what you plant is what you're going to harvest. In Genesis 8.22, it says, While the earth remains, and the earth is going to remain, as long as God has ordained it to remain. Amen. Amen? And then, guess what? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But as long as the earth remains, it says seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. 
It's a law, like the law of gravity. The law of gravity says what goes up must come down. And we've all experienced that. Amen? Well, I'll tell you, the same is true with the law of seed time and harvest. You know, I have a little greenhouse in my backyard. And in that greenhouse, there's some plants. Pastor Tom, they aren't coming along as good as yours, but they're coming along. And I'm having to employ some patience, amen? And I'm beginning to see some things. But I just harvested my first crop. And, you know, they, the crops are producing different things. I have tomatoes and peppers and squash and strawberries. And the tomatoes are, are those little cherry tomatoes. I have some big ones, but they haven't yet bloomed yet. But the cherry ones are starting to come forth. I just picked a bunch. As a matter of fact, I left them in the car. I was going to show y'all. I was so proud of them. But the cherry tomatoes, you know, they're ready for harvest. And I wanted them to be this great, big, juicy, fat tomato. But guess what? That wasn't the seed that was planted. The seed that was planted was for cherry tomatoes. So in that seed, the size of the tomato is relatively small. Every aspect of that tomato was in that seed. Right. Just think about that. I mean, the size, the color, the shape, the leaves, the smell. You know, you get up in there, you can smell that smell, can't you, Pastor Tom? It smells so good when you go to pick those tomatoes. Also, the flavor of the tomato, all of that is in the seed. It's miraculous how God has created seed and, and the principle of seed time and harvest. Um, I, I don't know anybody that can't look at nature and look at the human life and then deny or not know that there is a God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's so intricate how God has created the human body and how it works in unison. And each thing has a distinct purpose. And even the plants, the trees, the animals. Oh, what a wonder, what a wonder, what a wonder. And so desires are like seeds, like we said. Where does your desire come from? And how does it grow? It's the law of seed time and harvest. Did you know that God even calls his word seed? He calls the word of God seed. Let's look together at Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 5 through 8. And I'm just going to read and you guys can just follow along. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and, and it choked it. And another fell on good ground, and it sprang up, and it bare fruit a hundredfold. Now the parable is this, the seed is what church? The word of God. You know, the word of God is actually God in seed form. Isn't that right? What does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with, the word was with God and the word was God, excuse me. The word was God. So the word is actually God in seed form. So when you plant the word into the soil of your heart, you're actually planting God. Amen. The life of God. The love of God. The nature of God. God himself. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what I say. Selah. Pause and think about that. Verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear and come and then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, 
and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, what do they do? They fall away because there's no root. They haven't been rooted and established in the word. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard go forth and are choked with what? Cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, what do they do? They keep it. They protect it. Amen. And they bring forth fruit with what? Patience. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So to answer the questions that we asked just a moment ago, where does your desire come from? And how does your desire grow? Desires come from and grow from seed. Seed you plant in the soil of your soul and your heart. Now you all know, you know that you are a spirit. Amen? It's the hidden man of the heart. The spirit man. That's the real you. And then, of course, you have a soul. And that's made up of your what? Mind, your will, and your emotions. And then you live inside this body, this earth suit, to be able to rock, walk around in here on earth. And so, um, there's a couple important things that I want you to know. You know, all those areas of your being need ministry, too. And all those areas of your being affect your desires. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Here's a couple of things that you need to remember. Really important things, church. When sowing seeds that produce desire in you. Because most often people, that desire that works in them eventually works out in their life. And so we want to make sure that we have the right desires. Amen? Godly desires. So, the first thing to do is to plant good seed. So it's important what you hear, you know, your gateways, your eyes, your ears, your heart. Make sure you're planting good seed into your heart and into your soul. God's word is good seed because why? It's incorruptible seed. And it will produce Every time. God's word, God's seed is eternal. It's eternal seed. And it produces after its own kind. Seeds must be fed in order to grow. Isn't that right? Natural seeds, you got to feed them water. You got to feed them sunlight. And they need to be cared for. You got to have the right soil. As we just read. But so do seeds of a desire. They too need to be fed the right thing. And they need to be planted in the right type of soil. And they need to be cared for. You need to keep the weeds out. You need to feed them the right things. Feed them the wrong things and guess what? You'll begin to desire and crave and have an appetite for the wrong things. You know, like if you eat a lot of sugar, pretty soon you're going to start craving Sugar. And it's not going to produce anything good in you. Trust me. I just recently cut out sugar. And, you know, for the most part, only just eating good carbs. And it's, it's a journey that we, you know, all at, at different times have to evaluate in our lives. Because there's different seasons of life that we walk in. And what you were able to do maybe in your 20s and 30s in regards to burning off with your metabolism doesn't work so much in your 50s and 60s. Amen? Amen. So you you know, you have to do something different because if you always do what you've always done, guess what? You always get what you've always gotten. And so, you know, the other thing I noticed about changing my way of eating and just eating healthy is that sugar masks your taste buds. And now that I'm not eating, you know, so much of that kind of junk, 
Guess what? I taste real food. Hallelujah. And it tastes so good. And I've developed an appetite for it. And I crave it. Now see, that's true spiritually speaking with desires. When you feed your heart God's desires for you, when you feed upon his word, something very supernatural begins to take place in your heart. And no longer are all these other things masking, you know, joy and happiness, but you're really experiencing it for yourself. Amen? So, here's what I always say. If you don't want the dog, if you want the dog, don't call the cat. Amen? If you want the dog, don't call the cat. If you want good desires, you gotta, you got to plant good desires, things that produce that on the inside of you. You know, I've fed a cat outside before. We have little homeless kitties, and sometimes we'd put a little tray out there. But I'll tell you what, if you're not careful, you turn around and there's another little critter called a raccoon that'll come and just devour that and mess up your whole yard. So you don't want to feed the wrong thing to your heart and to your soul because a raccoon might show up, you know. Enemy might disguise himself like a raccoon and show up. Um, So again, where does your desire come from? And where does your desire grow? How does it grow? We can see three things in the word concerning desire. Number one, the flesh. The flesh or, or your self-ruled self has desires. So that flesh I'm speaking of isn't just your physical body, but it's that which works in your soul. That's not really what God has in, in mind for you, but what you know, maybe what you will. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Then there's evil desires. You know, there's evil spirits. You know, the enemy has a plan and a strategy. He knows just what kind of bait to put in front of you. And the bait that he puts in front of you is going to be different than the bait that he puts in front of we, me. But I'll tell you what, he has something packaged. So when that package comes, guess what? Return to sender. Don't receive it. Don't accept it. But he'll have things that he will devise that will seduce you. To take you out of the way. And it might be things that, you know, people recognize as being evil. But it might be something just as simple as sugar that just sh- slows you down. you gotta, like, you got to work out your own salvation, amen? And let God deal with you on what he wants to deal with you on. And, you know, it's like an onion. An onion has a lot of layers. And God is so gracious. And he's so patient and so merciful. He'll just take a little piece of that, that skin of the onion. And he'll peel that away. And then another little piece. And he'll peel that away. And then he'll get to the core of who he's created you to be. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. Amen. So there's desires that are produced from the flesh, desires that are produced from evil spirits seducing you out of the way, and then there's God-given desires. So those are the three things that I see in the word, three things, that produce desire. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. This is where desire shows up in the garden and is perverted. I mean, this beautiful garden that God created, it was located somewhere east of Israel in Mesopotamia or in Arabia, and it was a beautiful garden. Not only was it beautiful as God created it, because God makes everything good. And he said that in the word, and it was good. Amen. But also, all their needs were met in this garden. Adam and Eve were placed there, and they only had one rule. Can you imagine? One rule? Let's see what happens here. Verse um, 3, or verse 1, I'm sorry, chapter 3. 
Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it or from it or touch it, or you shall die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall surely not die. Isn't he doing that today? He's still trying to make you doubt what God has said. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree, that the saw that the tree that in that day you shall eat from it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil and when the woman saw the tree that was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that it was a tree to be what desired, desired. see there's that word desired to make one wise she took from its fruit and she ate and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate too. And when the woman saw that the tree was good, I, 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 I just, you know, again, the enemy seduced her and brought her over and showed her something and said, you're not going to die. If you eat this, this will be good for you. And so she saw it was to be desired. You know, Eve allowed her feelings and her desire to govern the way that she saw the word of God. And every time you do that, it's going to lead to death. Amen? Amen. But good desires, you know, God's desires, they need to be the final authority in our life. God's word is final authority. Amen. So you don't have to wrestle with it. You just have to believe it. You just have to receive it. And then you have to be a doer of it. You have to obey it. Amen? So Eve made that mistake. And so did Adam. She was seduced and Adam just defiantly disobeyed God. And so we, we see what the fruit of that was. You know, God made us with feelings. And he made us with feelings so that we could desire him. He wants us to desire him. So that we can choose good desires. He gave us that free will of choosing. He says, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose. You choose. Everybody said, I get to choose. So good desires, when you choose them, they grow up on the inside of you. And desires that are not of God, you simply have to resist them in the name of Jesus and take another path. Take another path. In Psalms 81, verses 11 through 13, it says... But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would not would none of me. So I gave them up to their own heart lust, and they walked in their own counsel. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. You know, God gave them up to their own heart lust, because why? They wouldn't hearken to what he said. To what the word said. Because they thought that they could do it another way. And every time you think that you can do it another way, guess what that's called? It's called pride. And pride comes before a fall. And you know, I found a scripture that talks about how, you know, God blesses those who humble themselves. Under the mighty hand of God, when you humble yourself, you're going to find more grace. God gives grace to the humble. 
So when you say, oh Lord, this is your word and I'm going to believe this and I'm going to believe this only. I'm going to follow this only. I'm going to obey this only. That is you humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Under the word of God. And when you do that, he says he's going to do something for you. He's going to give you more grace. And grace equal to circumstances, no matter what you're facing. You may not know the how, but I'll tell you what, you're going to know the who. And the who is on your side, as pastor's been teaching about. God is for us. So who could be against us? I love that scripture. What shall I say to these things? Things? God's for me. You can't be against me. What shall I say? You've got to speak to those things. Things? You've got to get out of my way. Things? You're subject to change. Things? Saturday's coming. Amen? Amen. And then having done all to do, to stand, stand therefore. Amen. Amen. Unmovable, unshakable, abounding in the grace of God. God's grace is God's power and his ability coming on you to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Another definition of grace is divine influence of the heart. And we're talking about desire tonight. We're talking about letting God divinely influence you and give you his desires for you. Because his desires are higher. His desires are far above all you could imagine, think, believe. Amen. He'll even give you the faith to believe for it. Isn't that right? But God resists the proud. If you're out there doing it on your own, you're just going to say, okay, do it. Amen. But the moment you turn your heart, his mercy's right there. His lifting's right there. Hallelujah. I was thinking about Cain and Abel. We're going to take a look there in Genesis 4, verses 1 through 10. And it says that Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of his firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and on his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is, but if you do not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door and it's what desires. It desires to have you. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. If you don't rule over your desires, your desires are going to rule over you. Verse 8, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Isn't that spirit still around? It sure is. It's the same spirit. And spirits don't die. And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The blood speaks, church. 
Amen. Hallelujah. And so we could see there that, you know, of course, Cain took another direction. He allowed desires that was in his heart to govern his actions. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you that we can learn from Scripture. We can learn things so that we don't fall into the same traps. Amen? I was thinking about, you know, we're talking about desires of the flesh. So he allowed the desire of his will, his emotions, that which was going through his mind to affect his behavior. Now, let's take a look at David for just a second. Remember David? Remember when he was supposed to be out in battle, at war, on the front lines? But yet he wasn't. Where was he? He was home. He was on the roof. And he had an itch. An itch he couldn't scratch. He knew something wasn't right. What wasn't right? He wasn't in the will of God. And when you're not in the will of God, guess what? You're going to feel it. You're going to itch. You're going to ache. Something's just not going to be right. Amen? Brother Hagin used to say, it's like taking a bath with your socks on. Something just ain't right. Something ain't right about that. But there was David up on the roof, probably anxious, probably ringing his, probably feeling anxiety, probably feeling different emotions up on that roof. And what did David do? He didn't look up to God and say, God help me. No, he looked down. And every time you look down, instead of looking up, look up to the hills from which your help cometh. That's where the presence of God was. But he looked down. And when he looked down, the enemy had a trap for him. And there he saw Bathsheba. And you know, I'm sure as he looked upon her, there was a thought that was planted in his soul. And he probably began to ponder it and to think about it and to imagine some things. And then that imagination painted a picture for him that he began to act out on. And then pretty soon it took hold of him. You know that stronghold, that thought, the imagination that becomes a stronghold? And he acted on it. And of course we know that Bathsheba got pregnant. And then he was in a fix. So then he decided he was going to do something to cover it up. And that's what sin does. You know, one offense leads to another, to another, to another. So he decided he was going to send Bathsheba's husband to the front line so that he would get killed. So he really had him murdered. Hmm. If you don't control your desires, your desires will control you. So what do you do when your desire isn't the same as God's desire? Maybe it's a desire for a certain behavior or habit that you have found yourself, you know, um, addicted to or trapped in. There's lots of different kinds of addictions. We talked about sugar, but hey, there's a lot of different kinds of addictions. You know, so many people are addicted to pornography, they're addicted to drugs, they're addicted to alcohol, they're addicted to gambling, they're addicted to spending money, they're addicted to approval from people. There's lots of different addictions. There's situations where people's desire for maybe another person. Maybe that person's not a godly person. But oh, they, they're fine. As Pastor Mark says, does fine pay the bills? <laughs> But they're attracted to him. Instead of stopping it at the onset and allowing God to come in and change your desire. And he will because you submit to him. And that's humbling yourself. Amen. Amen. He'll give you another desire. He'll bring somebody else into your life. The right person for you. And it will pay. It won't cost you. Because sin always costs you. And disobedience to God and following your own, own way is going to cost you. 
It'll take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, keep you longer than you want to stay. Amen? Hallelujah. So, what do you do? I'll tell you what you do when your desire isn't in line with God's desire. You become willing to be willing. Are you willing to be willing? You know, we look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus had to make his will come in line with God's will by submitting himself to God, by praying. He said, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Your soul, your mind, your willing, your emotion. Sometimes it wavers. Sometimes it wants to give in to what you desire, to what you will. But Jesus gave us an example. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Did you know in the Hebrew, the word will there is actually the word desire? Not as I desire, but Lord, as you desire. And you're going to have to pray that too. Jesus had to pray it three times right there, you know. How much more do we? Lord, say this with me. Not as I will, will. but as you will. will. Hallelujah. Hmm, glory to God. You know, I remember, I remember that time when I just really wanted to desire God. Y'all have heard my testimony about I found it and how I um, had that lady call me up on the phone who this side of heaven does not know what that phone call did, what her prayers did. And now she prayed for me on the phone. How she didn't want me to get off the phone. She had such a God-given desire for me. I know it to this day. I didn't really recognize it all then. She just wanted to send me some books. And I just wanted to get off the phone. And I didn't want to be rude. But the books didn't come the next day or the next day. But on the third day, the books came. And I sat down on that couch and opened my mail. And there were those books. And the Holy Spirit just came and sat on me. And I, I just, you know, I grew up as a little Baptist girl. I had received Jesus, but I wasn't rooted and grounded and established in the Word. But you know, God saw something. He saw something in my heart. And God went after me. God called me up on the telephone. And He'll call you up on the telephone if He has to. And as I opened those books and I said, Lord, I don't want to know what the Baptists say. I don't want to know what the Catholics say. I don't want to know what the Pentecostals, the Methodists. I don't want to know what the Presbyterians say. I want to know what you say. Lord, if you tell me and you reveal to me who you are in the Bible, I will give you my life. And that Hunger, that desire filled my heart. I mean, from the very moment it filled my heart. And I so desired to know God. And then I would see people who would worship God. And I thought, I want that. I don't feel it, but I want that. I want to love God like that. I don't feel it, but I want to. I'm willing to be willing, Lord. And the more that I've known him, and the more that I learn about him, that prayer is still being answered. Amen. Amen. Because I love him with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my might, all of my strength. And he's worked that in me. He's given me that desire to serve him and to love him and to obey him and to walk with him. And he'll give you that desire too. Amen. Amen. But there's some things you have to do. You have to turn some things around. You know, like Abraham leaving Ur. He had to leave the familiar. He had to leave all that he had, all his needs being met. This was a major city. A metropolitan city. And he had to pick up his family. And he had to obey God. He had to leave the familiar for the unfamiliar. 
And he, he had allowed God to chart his course. Did God lead him astray? No. He led him right into glory. He led him right into glory, right into provision. Hallelujah. And he'll do you as well. So are you hungry? Are you desirous of him? Are you desired to be free from anything that's holding you back? Any ungodly desires? Any fears? Now that seems to be something in our society that has really taken hold. Especially with some of our younger generation is anxiety. Anxiety and fear. It's really fear. Anxiety is fueled by fear. Fear feeds it. And if you desire peace and you desire to be free, then God will show you a pathway to freedom. Amen? Amen. He will help you to desire it. And as you desire it, you'll begin to take steps towards being free. Towards towards living in peace. Living free from anxiety, from fear, from whatever it is that's binding you. But you've got to make change in what you're sowing into your soul. You've got to make change into how you're thinking. You've got to make change into what you believe about yourself and about your situation. You've got to believe what God says about you, who you are in Him. You've got to make change in your habits. You've got to make change with who you're hanging around. Amen? Then you have to do something with those thoughts, those desires that are not godly. You've got to put them in a big box. Have you ever seen those big boxes that uh, they're, they're cement slabs that they put in the ground when they bury somebody? They're big cement slabs. And they have big cement tops. And I was just recently talking to my uh, granddaughter about some things that had been troubling her. And she said she just pictured herself putting those thoughts into that big box casting them in there, covering it up, putting it in the ground, burying it, and letting grass grow over it. And every time the thought would try to come back her to her to bring her any kind of anxiety about it, she would resist it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's buried. It's buried. You got to bury your fears so that your fears don't bury you. You got to bury ungodly desires so ungodly desires don't bury you. You've got to stay stable in the midst of the storm. You've got to keep the water out of your boat. If you're in the middle of the boat and you're crossing over to the other side, you've got to keep thoughts of fear, doubt, unbelief, ungodly desires out of your boat. Because that's what's going to sink your boat. Amen? But you press on. You just, you seal it with pitch. You seal it with the word. That's what Noah did. It kept the boat afloat. It'll keep your boat afloat. And then you got to pursue peace. you got to pursue godly desires. Pursue it in an effort to overtake godly desires. I'm pursuing that desire. I'm pursuing that desire. That's your desire for me, Lord. And I'm pursuing it. If I gave you a check for a million dollars... And you went down to the bank and on your way to the bank, you were about to walk in the door and it flew out of your hand. What would you do? I would run and get it. You would (laughs) run and get it. Why? Because it has value. Amen. 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 So some things you have to run after, you have to go after, you have to take hold of. And you have to take hold of godly desires. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You've got to take hold of them with your mouth, with your thoughts. You've got to take hold of them in prayer. You've got to take hold of them. You know, there's a rhythm to life. And you've got to find that rhythm. The rhythm first is worship. Then, you know, there's work in our life. Then there's rest. Then there's play. And you've got to find that rhythm. Fatigue will make cowards of us all. And if you are out of rhythm, you're going to find your desires all over the place. Fatigue will cause you to lose courage. Fatigue will affect your mind. It'll affect your will. It'll affect your motion. 
Fatigue will affect you, spirit, soul, and body. Remember Elijah? How he had, he had just performed amazing things. He had killed all the prophets with the sword. He had done glorious things for God. Supernatural things, miraculous things. But he got tired and he got fatigued. And he went and sat under a tree and he said, Oh my goodness, it's better that I die, Lord. Let me die. He got so depressed because he was so fatigued. And God just did something very natural. He allowed him to sleep. And then he woke and then he ate. An angel brought him angel food. And then he went back to sleep. And then he awoke. And then he ate. And then he went back to sleep again. So he replenished himself. And then when you replenish yourself, you know, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. He had lost his hope. And when you lose your hope, oh my goodness, you lose your anchor. Hope is an anchor for your soul. But it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it's a tree of life. So God let him rest, physically rest, mentally rest, emotionally rest. He had him to eat and do something very natural. And then he ministered to him. The angel ministered to him in his heart. And that restored him. And sometimes that's what we have to do too. And then in closing, prayer. Prayer works <laughs> the will of God on the inside of you. It works God's desires in you. Especially praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. You'll find yourself praying in places that God directs you to. That restores and replenishes and gives you vision. Because without a vision, people perish. And you need a vision to keep desires going. Amen? God's desires for you. So, the last scripture I want to share with you is very familiar. In Psalms 37.4, you all know it. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to do what? He's going to give you the desires of your heart. He'll give them to you so that he can give them to you. Amen? You know, I looked that up in every translation. And every single translation that I looked it up in, except for the message, said exactly the same verbiage. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. You want God to give you some godly desires? Amen, I do too. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you tonight. Pastor Tom, can you come? We thank you tonight, Father. We just give you praise and glory. And honor tonight for your goodness and for how you give us what you want us to have in regards to desire. You help us to desire you first and foremost because you work that in us. And then you place vision in us. And you place purpose. And you place your word. And you cause us to crave it, to desire it, to hunger after it, to thirst after it. You cause us to be determined that we're going to receive it. You cause us, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that as we live, open our hearts tonight, Lord. You fill them with your desires. If you're here, and maybe you've lost some hope. Maybe hope is deferred. And it's caused your heart to be sick. I want you to know that God wants to restore your hope. Just like Abraham who against all natural hope, believed in a supernatural hope. God wants to give you a supernatural hope so that you have desire rising up on the inside of you. And it's a tree of life. 
So, Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. Let's pray, church. Let's pray even for yourself, for your family, for the ones sitting next to you. Thank you, Lord, for God-given desires. Thank you for strength to resist desires from the evil one and to recognize them and to, on the onset, take authority over them. We're not going to be like Adam and Eve. We're not going to be deceived. We're going to know, Lord, because your spirit lives within us. And you're going to lead us and you're going to guide us. And you're going to help us. And you're going to strengthen us. You are our strengthener. You are our advocate. You are our standby. Our counselor. Our prince of peace. The mighty God. He's living in you. And he's living in you to put you over. Father, we thank you. We thank you for those that maybe, maybe they've been standing for a really long time. Lord, strengthen them in their stand. Establish them. Cause them, Lord, to have hope in believing. Lord, sometimes we believe, but you help our unbelief. We have faith, but you help our unbelief, Lord. You do it. You strengthen us. You know, if you're doing anything bigger than your own hand for God, you're going to have times where you have to just come before him and say, Lord, restore my hope in that. Restore my vision in that. Mm. And at the appointed time, amen, at the time that it's due, The Moab. God surely shall bring it to pass. Whatever you have committed to him this day. That's in line with his word and his will. You can be fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. That God is going to do that and even more. So think big. Because he's going to do bigger. Think great. Because he's going to do greater. Believe him for the impossible to be possible. Thank you, Lord, for renewed hope, renewed desire to go after that which you have prepared for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just lift up your hands and say, I receive all that is in my course every dot and every tittle I'm not going to leave anything undone I'm going to run my race and I'm going to finish my course with joy and I'll have joy because my desires shall be met shall be fulfilled because God's going to help He's going to help. 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 Amen. Glory to God. Nothing is impossible to those that put their faith and trust in him. Thank you, Father. We believe it and we receive it in Jesus' name. Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. That's what God's word says. Do you believe it, church? Amen, amen, amen. As we close here, is there anyone here tonight that you've never received Jesus?